Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I used to want to save the world before I gave it all up to design clothes. Your geek history lesson on Wonder Woman the Silver Age is now in session. Hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I'm Jason Lasso Inman. Welcome to Geek History Lesson because this is the podcast where we take one character from pop culture, movies, television, comic books, and tell you everything you need to know about it in a little bit less than an hour. And today's episode is all about Wonder Woman. One, I, is that, I guess she wouldn't have a theme song. We're still before her show, aren't we? No. We're not before a show? We're going to cross we over into show. her show. Okay. All right. We will talk about the show very, very briefly. Well, what are we talking about? What section of history are we talking about Wonder Woman? The Silver Age. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Right? Yeah. We like the Silver Age. It's fine, right? Well, I, didn't, I don't know whether the to- the, that question was like right for the air horn or right for that we are talking about Wonder Woman and the uh, Who knows? Uh, why not Or both? approval of the Silver Age. Which one were you asking? Uh, for knowing the answer mostly because the Silver uh, Age, uh, I'll fully admit, Silver Age is not my favorite era of comics. Cool. Well, actually, I want to say, uh, do we want to define the ages now or wait till the main lesson? No, we're going to do that in the main lesson. Okay, cool. Uh, but we do have a couple TAs. We have a couple sweet souls who requested this and they include Shadows of Ash, Still Brave Love, Jean S, Sam Martinez, ASDF G-H-K-J-K-L-P-Q-W-E-R. That's a lot of letters. You're a sweet person, I'm sure, but screw you for just slamming your hands on your keyboard and calling it a username. Ooh, Alexis and Bowen and Tree Branchy. Thank you so much for requesting Wonder Woman the Silver Age. That's right. Now, before we get too deep in the weeds about what the Silver Age actually means, I think Jason has something he wants to talk to us yeah, about. Yeah, I want to talk about the Kickstarter age. That's Woo! not a real thing, but what is a real thing is that I am launching a 48-page comic book called Super Best Friend on Kickstarter on January 19th of this year. Could be in the future, could be in the past, depending on what time period you're listening to it right now. It is basically, what if Maddie Moore, the best friend to the world's greatest superhero, accidentally leaks his best friend's secret identity to the entire world? His best friend, of course, being Captain Terrific, the world's greatest superhero who seems a lot like Superman. So if you like Superman, if you like Booster Gold, if you like the amazing Spider-Man, then you're going to like the hijinks of Matty Moore, the sidekick finally becoming the hero in my new comic book called Super Best Friend. You can go to superbestfriendcomic.com or if that link doesn't work for you, you can just go over to Kickstarter and search for my profile, Jason Emmett, and you can click that little notification button. You can follow me on Kickstarter. You can follow the project, and you'll get a notification when it goes live. There's a lot of really cool stuff that is going to be for only the people that donate in the first 48 hours, so you're not going to want to miss it. And if you have missed it, you're listening to this in the far future, sorry. All right, let's move into the first part of the podcast, which is the Tencent origin, and that is where I'll give you all the basics about what you need to know about Wonder Woman. So she is Princess Diana of Themyscira, a.k.a. Diana Prince, a DC Comics character who first appeared in All-Star Comics number 8 from October of 1941. She was created by William Moulton Marston and Harry Peter because we are conveniently leaving off the fact that she was also co-created by Elizabeth Marston and Olive Byrne. She is an Amazon and a demigod, and her team affiliations and partnerships include Steve Trevor, the Justice League, the Justice League Dark, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Girl. And her abilities include superhuman strength, speed, durability, and longevity, flight, skilled, hand-to-hand combatant, a lasso of truth, a shield, and indestructible gauntlets. Yes, and really quickly, before we move too far, I just want to mention that everybody that... uh if you want to learn about Wonder Woman in the Golden Age, which is one of our previous episodes, that is episode 164. I was going to bring that up. I'm oh, so glad that you got to I'm it. I'm sorry. That's I was, okay. I was trying to help you, Professor. No, I, I, I accept the help and I'm grateful for I it. I was right. Yeah. You know, we these take so much research that we have to do these 
It's only been 150 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, let's move into the meet cute. Yes, the meet cute is a section of the podcast where Ashley and I are going to tell you where we first meeted and cuted Wonder Woman, although I believe we did this in the previous episode, but we're going to do it again. We it's did. it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in case you ever go to a cocktail party and somebody's like, hey, it's like 1960, and there's a lady over there with an invisible jet. Who is she? And that way you can answer. Yes. Wait, no, that was a ten-cent order. Yes, I'm getting confused. Actually, I am lost in the multiverse of DC multiverses and ages, and I apologize. The meet cute is basically where we talk about where he first met the character. Yes. So I did not meet Wonder Woman in the Silver Age. No, I met her on Justice League the Animated Series. Yeah. How about you? Uh, Death of Superman. So yeah. I met her in the Dark Age. You can go to like um if you go back to episode one sixty four, you'll get the longer full versions of those stories. But we got a lot to cover today, so let's hop right into the history one oh one. Jason, what's that? That's where you're going to tell us everything we need to know about Wonder Woman and the Silver Age. Yes, all the details. So if you did listen to. Uh, the Golden Age episode, I did reference some events that went up to 1970, uh, but the Silver Age, and this is per Jason, uh, his Superman, the Silver Age, episode 207, Silver Age lasts vaguely from 1956 to 1970. For Wonder Woman, it does get extended into the 70s. Um, just because that's how long it's different with each character. It's, this is a vague thing. So there's no single event that can be said to herald the beginning of the Bronze Age, which is the end of the Silver Age. So it's a little bit more arbitrary, whereas we know that the Silver Age begins with Flash of Two Worlds. No, uh, it, be- it begins with uh, the first appearance of Barry Allen. Sorry, my mistake. Yeah. Uh, and so just showcase. Something. Let, let's. Should we go through the? Let's go through the ages real quick and just explain them to everybody, just in case. In case you're coming to this brand new. Okay. What's the golden age? Well, the golden age is where uh, the first appearance of Superman. It's mm-hmm. action comics, and all of these, by the way, these are very loose. These are constructs developed by comic book nerds. The, part of the reason why we're very being very wishy washy is because there is no hard. There's no academic. Yeah. There's no hard and stop. Like, you know, the Bronze Age history. Oh, by the way, uh, Barry Allen debuted in Showcase number four. Okay, cool. I actually have that fact for something I'm going to bring up later. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So there you go. So, so it's, the Golden Age is from 1938 to 1960, correct? Uh, 1956 the is the earliest. Yes. Because the Silver Age is supposed to be 1956 to uh, 1970. Sorry, I'm just trying to bring up my list of all the ages here. Uh, so Golden Age is 1938 to 1956. Uh, the Silver Age, as you get said, began begins with uh, the official appearance of Barry Allen in the Silver Age from 1956 to 97. That's what you're going to cover with Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, then it goes to the Bronze Age, which is 1970 to 1985. Then there is the Dark Age, which I don't know if I like. We talked about. I don't know if we like that title, but it's like where comics become very mature. It's Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns and yada yada. And then from 2000 on, it's considered the modern age. Some people have called it the digital age. They um, might actually call it the Kickstarter age. You made that joke earlier, but that might be what it gets known as when you look at the publishing trends. You know, funny thing. I actually think that far in the future, mm-hmm. and far listeners of Geek History Lesson, I kind of think that a new co- age of comics will begin with 2020. And I think that will be named the Kickstarter. Or maybe 2010, right? When Kickstarter is sort of Somewhere in there, I think it's going to, yeah. Because I think, ah, whatever. We don't. Anyway, we're not comic book historians. There's, (laughs) in case anybody is listening, like they were a big fan of our Cheetah episode last last week. And they're like, oh, this is cool. Wonder Woman. There's a chance they may not know what the ages are. And I wanted to make sure we explained that. Okay. All right. Now, Ashley, let's get back to Wonder Woman, the Silver Age. What really matters in this lesson? So one of the most important things which happens to Wonder Woman during the Silver Age is she gets a massive reboot penned by Robert Kaniger. Now, Jason, do you know why Robert Kaniger is an important figure in comic book history outside of his work on Wonder Woman? (sighs) The name is familiar. I'm going to say he he's a writer on the Legion of Superheroes. He introduced Barry Allen in showcase number four and kicked off the Silver Age. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, which is the only reason why I had a note about when Barry Allen was launched. Well, good for him. Uh, While this may seem... Yeah, this this seems a little convenient, but it's true. He did that, and then he came over. In fact, the only reason that a new creative team took over Wonder Woman from William Moulton Marston, Elizabeth Marston, and Olive Byrne is because William Moulton Marston died, and so he didn't have the ace up his sleeve of being like, well, I created Diana Prince. I'm the only person who can write her. Mm-hmm. Robert Kaniger was a close personal friend of his, took over the book, made massive 
changes to the book because he also took over as editor. And so he basically got to operate with very little oversight or pushback in the same way as Stanley got to operate when he was creating the superhero universe over at Marvel Comics. And that was common at the time where people would be writing and editing. They would edit their own scripts. Yeah. Uh, in fact... Which we're not a big proponent of. We are not. Uh, in fact, when he was doing this, Elizabeth Marston publicly spoke about... Is Elizabeth uh, Williams' wife? His wife, okay. yes. Um, publicly spoke out against the changes that he made to the book and her disgust with it. And then he invited her out to dinner and she said nothing about it because she's a lady. But there are several public statements where she's like, I don't like what he's doing to my little baby Amazon. All right. Okay. Uh, Marston was originally preceded by Sheldon Mayer, um, who only wrote like four issues of Wonder Woman before he took over. So basically he's like an interim placeholder. But Kaniger is like, this is like the first guy since the creator to write this. To book. write this for any that's amount of big. time. And he is going to write this book for 20 years. So wow. hold on to your butts. Well, that's interesting though, because that does not exist for Batman or Superman. Like the original creators kind of like got off those books in the forties. Mm -hmm. So we had the original creator all the way through the most of the 50s. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So the Silver Age marks a shift in the popular comic book landscape away from war stories, you know, because we sort of left that era behind from uh, from a world war perspective, at least. Uh, and romance stories really surged and were really, really popular. Diana Prince was starring in Sensation Comics, and she did have a romantic relationship in the Golden Age with Steve Trevor. So Robert Kaniger takes that and puts it right front and center. By the way, so, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you, and I apologize fine. for that. I because I wanted to make my point of uh, I think that Sensation Comics should still exist, like Action and Detective Comics. Exist. I absolutely agree. It's a great title. It is a great title. Yeah. Now you'll remember from the Wonder Woman: The Golden Age episode that Steve Trevor is an OG part of Wonder Woman's mythology, but in those stories, she is a take charge lady. There is comics from the 40s and the 50s of Diana carrying Steve around in her arms, and he calls her Angel and proposes to her all the time, and she's like, "No, baby, I got stuff to do," and like leaves him alone. <laughs> Give me that again. No, baby, I got stuff to do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, throughout the Silver Age, you actually see a ton of cov covers and comic book stories that invert this. We get the first cover where Steve is carrying Wonder Woman in his arms. Now, I am going to reference a lot of covers throughout this episode. And it's because I want to show them to Jason to make my point. I will be sharing all of these on our Twitter at GHL Podcast. So, Jason, I want to show you the first issue of Sensation Comics where Robert Kaniger takes over. And just like describe it for the listeners and tell us what's going on here. Uh, it's a uh, blonde-eyed, a stat Steve. Blonde-eyed. It is a it is a blonde-haired man, Steve Rogers. It looks like Steve Rogers. It's, it's Steve Trevor. It looks like Steve Rogers <laughs> uh, in an army uniform carrying Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman looks very like oh Steve. So this um, this cover is what Elizabeth uh, Molston pushed against. She did not like that Steve is carrying Wonder Woman in his arms in this way. Uh, in the Golden Age, Wonder Woman led Etta Candy and her posse of the Candy Girls into battle against war villains and dictators. And in the Silver Age, she is often captured by similar figures, dictators, warlords, heads of government, uh, and sits around crying and fretting until Steve shows up to save her. Alrighty then. So this transition to damsel in distress marks the first thing in a long line of total retcons and reboots where Wonder Woman goes from being a feminist icon, forward thinking and powerful to a woman who needs a man to help her through the world. So Jason, I want to ask you a question in, in an effort to be fair to Robert Kaniger, who I don't think went in here with bad intentions. Nobody ever sets out to make a bad comic book. Was there any chance that the first major run after the Marstons was going to be any good? No. So. I, I mean, that's a short answer, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's just no way. I. What they did was like, was revolutionary. Wonder Woman was so progressive for the time. Well, and I'll, you can see this to the modern day. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is a very difficult character to write. And I think the big reason why she's similar to Superman, that they are such products of their time mm -hmm. that they only seem to work when they are in adventures or stories that harken back mm -hmm. to that golden age storytelling. And every time you try to knock them out of it, mm -hmm. they don't work. If I may as well, 
I think the reason that the Golden Age stories still to this day stand up, and yeah. if you go and listen to our Golden Age episode, I had a blast reading about all of those. Um, it's because there were two women consulting and co-writing it with yeah. their husband slash lover. Like, I... I just think it's time for some women writing Wonder Woman is what I'm saying in this Silver Age lesson. I think there's a woman writing Wonder Woman right now, actually. Oh, there is. G. Willow Wilson has also uh, been at it for a while. But uh, Wonder Woman stories are mired with strictly male creative teams. And I'm not I am not saying that you have to be the thing to write about it. But considering Wonder Woman's long history... I think that may have helped along the way. Sure. Uh, many sure. comic book historians also credit this tonal shift to the Comics Code Authority. Jason, what is the Comics Code Authority? Uh, the Comics Code Authority is basically this organization that had a lot of power over comic books for, I don't know, the mid-50s to the 90s. And they would say yay or nay to things that could be in comic book. Now, it was created uh, because a lot of people had a lot of problems, especially government officials, that Batman and Robin hung out a lot with no women around, and a lot of people thought they were gay. Yeah, God forbid they were just buddies or father and son. God forbid, yeah, that a father and son could just be alone in a house together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Wonder Woman, a good thing that kind of comes out of these tone shifts is eventually she does become more embroiled in the Greek mythology and magic that I think has come to define her and that you and I both like about her character. It is just a long road getting from there to here. She is presented much more as a Helen of Troy character in the Silver Age. She's renowned for her beauty, sought after by men, whose mother prayed over her crib for baby Diana to be, quote, as beautiful as Aphrodite, wise as Athena, strong as Hercules, and swift as Hermes. Uh, The shift begins in Wonder Woman number 105, which was published in 1959 and is appropriately called The Secret Origin of Wonder Woman. In this issue, Diana's born, uh, Hippolyta gives up this prayer, and Aphrodite casually drops by Hippolyta's home to bless Diana and bestow her power upon her. In the traditional Greek sense, uh, if you've read the Iliad, you know, Ares comes down from the sky during the battle and bestows his power on Hector, so Athena, I'm sorry, uh, Aphrodite does that for Diana. Part of this still sticks with Wonder Woman mythology to this day because Aphrodite is traditionally her matron goddess, so uh, that's kind of cool. I will accept this. Then every other meaningful Greek god in the Pantheon also comes by to pay tribute to sweet baby Diana, including Hercules, which is where I take issue, because the Golden Age Amazons freaking hate Hercules. Yeah, I thought the bracelets were uh, the the chains uh of Hercules. Yes, they were. Um, They do not like him. They do battle against him for several years. I believe at one point they rip one of his arms off. Uh, So I'm like, okay, you didn't even read the source material that your buddy wrote. Okay, great. Uh, sometime later when Diana is in her teens or she appears to be in her teens, she's a young woman. I'm not going to pretend like I understand how people age on Themyscira. All of the men on Earth are wiped away. They all die in a mysterious ancient event. And Hippolyta- About time. I mean, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> and Hippolyta holds Diana in her arms and they weep together and they rend their clothes and they tear their hair because the most important thing to them are men. And Hippolyta literally says, quote, Woe is us, dot, dot, dot. We are, dot, 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 alone now, end quote. Because all the men have died. They're so sad. Amazon, they're so sad that all the, all the men died. In the same issue, we also learn that Teen Diana built a boat that she used to sail to Paradise Island on her own from Man's World, despite the fact that Robert Kaniger told us of her literal birth on Paradise Island in a story a couple issues earlier. The... Secret Origin of Wonder Woman, if you haven't gathered, is kind of a disaster. It is all over the place. It ignores the mythology of the character and the rules that he set down in his own story as he penned this. It's uh, it's a little weird that he is sort of negating some of the Marston stuff as well. Mm, I mean, at some point, he's going to negate pretty much all of it. Wow. All right. Uh, Also, as I wonder why the shift. Um... Look, I don't want to talk too much about misogyny, but I'm not going to pretend that that's not part of it. Well, and, I, and there will be plenty of that in this lesson because yes. that is just part of the world. what was happening exactly. at the time. I, and you have to look at this through the lens of history. But if you think about that and then you think about it 
um, coupled with the Comics Code Authority. So suddenly there are all these rules breathing down your neck. You know, but we are also hmm. going to get to some events where Robert Kaniger does some very mean things to some real life women. I think you. Uh, I just think he wasn't. A, I just think he was the wrong choice for this book. Not a good book. dude. Uh, it, I don't think he's not a good dude. I think he was the wrong choice for this book. I think you might have stumbled upon it with the Comics Code Authority. Mm-hmm. I think Comics Code Authority might have affected Wonder Woman more than anybody would have thought. I can't imagine what that would be like because you know you and I create comics and we have pretty much autonomy with what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we I know, we're pretty misogynistic. I know exactly. Uh, we hold <laughs> ourselves. All ages comic yeah, <laughs> the female at all ages comic. We hold ourselves to a certain uh, uh, level of standards because we are writing for all ages. Yes. But like, can you imagine if somebody came down from the sky and was suddenly like, um, no, I do not think so. Uh, it would have been the government. Yeah, like if a government, it was a government agency. It, can you imagine if they said no? Jupiter Jet and Chuck can't live in the same house because obviously they're having sex, even though they're children and siblings. Like it, it, yeah. everything the Comics Code Authority did was insane. Yep, true. <laughs> so. Also, as the Greek mythology is ramping up and several of the Golden Age elements are winding down, we are losing the inclusion of actual goddess Etta Candy in Wonder Woman's story. What is she the patron god of? Candy. Okay. Of curvy gals, of confidence, right. of singing at the top, of, of saying, pure sugar, of saying woo woo, as our Golden Age readers will know. Yep. Uh, I love Etta Candy. Woo woo. Woo woo. She's a woo girl. Uh, Wonder Woman joins Batman and Superman with having a serious sales dip during the Silver Age, um, part of which we all know is due to the rise of Marvel Comics. My brain weirdly <laughs> auto-corrected that sentence to, Etta Candy joins Superman and Batman. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> and I was very confused at the beginning of that, but continue. I'm so, so, so sales plummeted on Wonder sales Woman. Sales plummeted, and Sensation Comics became populated with new characters that had no tie or story relationship to Wonder Woman at all. Now, if you were a contemporary comics reader and you think that is strange, that is because... Um, up until a transition that comes at the end of the Silver Age to the beginning of the Bronze Age, all comic books were anthologies. It was like picking up an Archie's Digest. So you could get Sensation Comics. Not every story had Wonder Woman in them. During the Golden Age, when she became really popular, it became all Wonder Woman stories. And in the Silver Age now, we're losing some of that a little bit. And then, Jason... Well, the same happened for action and detective. And every well. every yeah. comic suffered from mm-hmm. this. Etta Candy and the Candy Girls were sidelined permanently because of seduction of the innocent. Now, what is seduction of the innocent? Now, seduction of the innocent, if I remember right, that's the report mm-hmm. that created the Comic Code Authority, or that's the report... That, was that the, led to. That was talking about how comics were quote-unquote, perverting the youth of America. Yes, and it was written by Frederick Wortham, and he called Etta Candy and the Candy Girls, quote, gay party girls, end quote. Well, they are very happy. Um, You know what? I hope there was a bunch of nice lesbians driving around beating up Nazis together. What a dream. (laughs) Uh, But that is the reason... Uh, that Etta Candy has been nothing but a supporting character ever since then. In fact, I think if it wasn't, in, it was not until Lucy Davis played Etta in the Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie, uh, that the character became a regular Wonder Woman staple once again, because now she's in pretty much every Wonder Woman story. So that's how long it took this character to come back. Throughout the Silver Age, Diana does what several many DC Comics characters did and join the Justice League as a founding member. There's a really weird storyline during these early issues where Wonder Tot comes to life. Thanks, Gardner Fox, who's basically a baby in a diaper who only speaks in baby talk. It's horrible. And so much of this happened uh, in the Silver Age because DC was making a lot of choices from an editorial standpoint based on what they saw as successful in the Superman title. Now, I understand Superman and Wonder Woman are very similar, especially at uh, first blush, but they are not the same. You can't govern your Wonder Woman stories the way you govern your Superman stories. You can't govern your Batman stories. On and on and on. You can say that for almost any character, I would agree. Of course. Um, But what was working for Superman in the Silver Age was the Superman family. And so we introduced... crazy zany stuff, yeah. And so we introduce um, Wonder Tot to close out... The Wonder Woman family. Now, Jason, can you name the members of the Wonder Woman family in the Silver Age? I didn't know she had a family. There are four members. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, we, oh boy. I know we have, is Wonder Tot one of these? Wonder Tot is one of them. So we have Wonder Tot. We have Wonder Girl. Yes. Do you know which version? No. That's okay. Um, not Donna Troy, basically. The not Donna Troy version. I'm going to say we have, um, well, Kanga should be one of these. Nope. 
Kanga is not around? No. Nope. The Wonder Kangaroo? She's not considered a member of the Silver Age Wonder Woman. Well, that's wrong. Diana is one of them. Um, so you got three. You just need one more. Oh, Diana's considered part of one of these people? Yeah. Well, then I'm going to go fanciful, and I'm going to say the Wonder Robot, the, uh, <laughs> the plucky <laughs> robot butler of Wonder Woman. You did pretty good. Um, so Hippolyta, who was referred to as Lyta at this time, L-Y-T-A, is the Wonder Queen. What? Come on. Diana is the Wonder Woman. That is stretching the definition the of Wonder Family here. Three Donna Troy Wonder Girl was Wonder Girl, and then Wonder Tot was the last one. Uh, what is especially weird about Wonder Woman stories in the 1970s is the build to Diana surrendering her powers. Do you mean the 60s? Well, it's yes, it starts at the end of the 60s, but uh, Wonder Woman through the 70s has no powers whatsoever. Okay. So when writer Mike Sikowski takes over, he has Diana give up her powers, stating that she would rather live in man's world without powers than follow her Amazonian sisters who get shunted off to their own dimension because of reasons. Fans of Diana Prince may know that this leads to Wonder Woman adopting just the moniker Diana Prince in a more full-time capacity. Wonder Woman kind of goes on the back burner and becomes an alias, whereas Wonder Woman was just her name for a really long time. Diana Prince was the alter ego that she adopted when she became an army nurse during the Golden Age. When Mike Sikowski uh, said what he said about this... Uh, and why he made this in Wonder Woman. He said, quote, what they were doing in Wonder Woman, I didn't see how a kid, male or female, could relate to it. It was so far removed from their world. I felt girls might want to read something about a super female in the real world, something very current. So I created a new book, new characters, everything. I did up some sketches and wrote out some ideas, end quote. Uh, he is also joined on this run with Denny O'Neill and Dick Giordano, who are two legendary comic book creators. We mm -hmm. talked a lot about them. Uh, since she has no superpowers, Diana does what uh, every young girl wants to do. She becomes a fashion designer and opens a, quote, mod boutique, end quote. Uh, readers only familiar with contemporary comics probably think this is wacky and absurd. And it is very much those things. However... With romance comics being popular and fashion comics being popular, if you're not familiar with Millie the Model, you go ahead and Google that right now. They were so popular at the time. I don't, I don't think this change for Diana is completely out of left field. I don't think it was the right change, but I think the effort to contemporize her and bring her to a more like street level of storytelling was a smart move. Publishers do it continually. It's why people claim they like Batman better than any other character. And this is, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, this is, of course, that classic cover or the images you've seen of Diana where she's like in an all solid white suit in an all purple suit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, DC Comics was obviously trying to corner this piece of the market with their most prominent female characters speaking to younger, more contemporary people. Um, so in Wonder Woman night, uh, number 178 in 1968, Denny O'Neill, uh, who was writing, became obsessed during this time with stripping characters of their superpowers. And so that's ultimately what led to Diana giving mm -hmm. up her powers. Like I said, throughout the seventies, Diana Prince explores spirituality, which was very trendy at the time. Also very trending now and even gets herself a mentor. A person of indeterminate Asian origin named I Ching to instruct her in martial arts and ancient weapons, um, which I would pretty much have imagined being an Amazonian. She would be a master of several martial arts. But there you go. I Ching kind of becomes like her Alfred or perhaps more appropriately like her Wong uh, and appears in a bunch of covers throughout with very color, uh, very questionable coloring. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
The quote unquote training allows Diana to fight people even without her preternatural powers, which is cool, but like not as fun as giving her superpowers in my opinion. And once Diana is ready to kick butt again, her book adopts another popular genre of the time, spy dramas. Now, You'll know this from past geek history lessons if you listen for the last year or so. This is at the height of the power of James Bond movies. So espionage was a natural evolution for the Princess of Themyscira, apparently. Um, I want people to check out, I'm going to share this cover, Wonder Woman 181. It is straight up a James Bond homage. I'm going to show it to Jason right now. It's this one right here. I've seen that cover before. Where she's literally like skiing down a mountain. (laughs) It's a perspective shift. Mm -hmm. And it's Wonder Woman with yellow pants, questionable, and a green coat. And the skis and the ski poles are like coming at her from all sides of the cover. Yeah. And we know that James Bond has a whole bunch of ski chases. She's standing over uh, I Ching there. I mean, it's, it's... it's specifically inspired by there's a there's a Roger Moore movie that's in the snow, but on Her Majesty's Secret Service, yes. which is the George Lazamy film, like mostly takes place in the Alps. Yes, uh, and inspired that scene in Inception as well. Yep. I would also argue that the Avengers television show really informed this, and I don't mean Avengers like Captain America and Thor. I mean Avengers like Steed and Mrs. Peel, mm-hmm. uh, that they directly affected Lady Spy Diana, not least because they have the same hairstyle in all of these covers. Diana's main villain at this time becomes Dr. Cyber in the Dr. Poison, Dr. Psycho proud naming tradition. Dr. Cyber. Dr. Cyber, who dabbles in ideas of technology and spirituality, which were popularizing and emerging at the time. I don't think we've seen Dr. Cyber since the Silver Age. I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, These issues are actually kind of cool if you read them in the context of the time period when they're being published. They're obviously hilarious by modern technological standpoints. Uh, But Wonder Woman is a character that I go to, like Jason was talking about a little earlier, for big action, for mythological epics, for her to fight a minute. I'm not interested in Wonder Woman hacking, personally. Now, Jason, do you think Wonder Woman should be striving to be on the cutting edge of technology? No. (laughs) Right? Does this feel silly? It feels really goofy. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Cyber, I'm sorry, is a really dumb name. Terrible name. It's a really dumb name. And I get it because like Cyborg is down the pike. Cyborg's not very down the Cyborg line. Cyborg is like literally around the corner from yeah. this. Yeah. So I, I get that like computers must have seen, seemed newfangled and T- amazing. Tim Drake is also not super, super far down the line no, from this. No, wonder what, like Batman, it makes sense for Batman. Yes. It even makes sense for Superman because Superman's a science yes. fiction character. But for Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman is fantasy. It's sword yeah, and sandals. It's sword and sandals. Like that's Wonder Woman. I was gonna say is more classical. Mm-hmm. Yes, classical in the literary definition. No, I could see doing it if you wanted to like do a juxtaposition of modern versus the technological. Mm-hmm. But like, I know that's not what they were doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I am sad to report, though, publishing sales of Sensation Comics and Wonder Woman went up. But criticism went up as well uh, with the feminist icon Gloria Steinem. Uh, she founded a magazine called Miss MS, yep. still being published, uh, debuted in 1972. Jason, based I know, I know on, Gloria Steinem, by the way. I've heard of that name before. Gloria Steinem, by the yep. way, is, is incredible and iconic mm-hmm. and people should yeah. absolutely be reading her work. It mm-hmm. is still very relevant She's worth today. She's Google. Yes. Um, Jason, based on this lesson, who do you think Gloria Steinem put on the very first cover of Miss in 1972? Well, um, I think it's obvious that it's Wonder Tot. <laughs> so it's Wonder Woman. And it, the cover states Wonder Woman for president. I will also share this. And I'm showing it to Jason right I mean, now. That's a, that's a, I love the idea of the Wonder Woman for president. It's a weird. What is she picking up with her lasso? Like a city block? What is going on there? Yeah, it's like a city. Because she's going to save your city. Peace, she's taking you away from the war. Peace and justice in 72. Yeah. Well, this would have been the height of Vietnam. Yes, which I think also yep. may have been why they were like, we already did Wonder Woman at war. Are we going to do that again? Miss, uh, recently, a few years ago, uh, in 2012, had its 40th anniversary issue. They put Wonder Woman back on the what? cover. Do you have that cover? I have it, and it's drawn by the Allreds, Mike and Laura. Oh, that's so amazing. How beautiful is it, right? Stop the war on women this time. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Well done, Miss Magazine. Well done. So I'm going to share both of those. 
Uh, they're really, nice really homage. incredible. So I mentioned that Miss was first founded in 1972. Yep. In 1973, a fabulous journalist named Joanna Edgar wrote a criticism titled Wonder Woman Revisited, taking a look at the silly tonal turn in Wonder Woman comics because she had grown up with Golden Age Wonder Woman issues and she opens her being article. Being a badass. Wonder Woman being a badass. She opens this article talking about how she was the kid who would go out to the sidewalk and swap comics with other kids kids and they were all boys oh, good for her. and they didn't like wonder woman so they she would have to trade them three wonder womans for one superman Aww. and then she talks about with this shift is it going to be the same is it going to be as good because she doesn't like that wonder woman's becoming more trivialized and she wants the trade she wants a comic trade to be one for one like all exactly. of us exactly come on and then she notes at the end of her article that next year so in 74 the first female editor is coming on to Wonder Woman. Her name is Dorothy Wolfuck. And I so know, I know Dorothy. Yep. Iconic. Very iconic. And yep. so she she the last question is, will she still have to trade three for one against Superman? Or is this going to ground Wonder Woman? It kinda does because the Bronze Age is a dope time for Wonder Woman. Uh look, I uh I have a message for those boys on the street. Uh who's the writer of this? I'm sorry. Uh Joanna Edgar. Listen, boys. I know you're listening, and I know you're still alive. I mean, they very well could be. Oh, yeah. They're listening. How dare you did this to Joanna? If I find you, you're going to get the biggest pounding of your life. <laughs> I haven't heard someone say a pounding in a long time. <laughs> um, this Look, I know the zip zap pan for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> this article, is it's, it's quite short by modern standards. I read it. It's incredible. How's the SEO on it? Was it good for 1973? It came up in the first Google search, so I'm sure it did well quite well. Well done, Joanna. Well done. Uh, not only do I think this is a wonderful piece of comic book journalism, I actually think this tone and this kind of analysis is what we should be striving to move back toward. Um, it's also a great piece of feminist journalism. I You can find it for free online. I'm going to share the link. Great. Because right. I, I, I can't recommend enough that people check this out. So... Now we're going to enter the Robert Canigan is a bad guy section a little bit. Oh, but I thought we'd move past him. Oh, no. He's still the main writer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We have a couple other people coming on to the team, okay. but he is still the writer and the editor at this time. Okay. So he still controls the fate of Wonder Woman. Yes. Got so it. even right. when he steps back as a writer, he is still working on Wonder Woman. Okay. Following these sharp criticisms by editor Gloria Steinem, uh, she was actually tapped to curate... 13 original Marston Wonder Woman stories in a printed collection with an introduction that she wrote for DC in 1974. Okay. And I need people to understand the significance of this because trade paperback markets barely existed before 2000. Uh, so like yes. the fact that they curated a collection of Wonder Woman and let Gloria Steinem pick it and write the intro is like culturally so significant yeah trade paperbacks really weren't a thing until post 1985 because that was a, mainly a creation of the direct market director comic book sales yeah. and then like the 90s where trade paperbacks really exploded and then 2000s it's where everything got a trade like, everything got a trade uh, so that's a big thing i will say i wish dc mm -hmm. instead of just being like hey do you want to curate our collection was like, Hey, Joanna, do you want to write Wonder Woman? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's still only 1973. <laughs> uh, a little too progressive for 1973. I mean, I would have, I mean, look, you're, can you imagine? I would have died. <laughs> look, you're lucky the hot lips hooligan. Who, uh, uh, sorry. Sorry. Hot lips hooligan. <laughs> hooligan. There you go. Hooli Who we love and we stand. <laughs> Hooligan's her brother. Uh, the hot lips. Who <laughs> I can't say the name now. It's a tongue twister. Uh, but Hot Lips was as progressive as she was, and that's all you're going to get, And ladies. she's not that progressive she's not. by a modern standard. Um, so in the... Uh, they should have let her write it. Johanna would have been great. Would have done an amazing job. Can we hire her now for it? Uh, sure, let's find her. All right. You still working? You let me know. Uh, the 70s also sees a return of Diana to World War II for a little bit with her timeline converging with Man's World. And this was due to the popularity of the Wonder Woman television show starring actual goddess Linda Carter, which was set during World War II throughout the first season. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Wonder Woman television show. We're not going to talk about it a lot. 
But compared to some of the other television shows at the time, like uh, Star Trek or MASH, which Jason just referenced, I don't think Wonder Woman holds up as well, but it remains iconic. Linda Carter is amazing and did such an outstanding job as an actor and an advocate to this day. Uh, And it did succeed in elevating Diana to the same level in larger pop culture as Superman and Batman for the first time, arguably, in her publication history. So we're very, very grateful for that. The show does everything for Wonder Woman that the 1966 Batman show did for Batman. It, for a lot of people, for a long time, for about 20 years, for people, Batman was Adam West. Wonder Woman was Linda, Linda Carter. Carter. My mom still thinks Wonder Woman is Linda. And, and she is. Su- and <laughs> Superman was Christopher Reeve. And all three, mm-hmm. they are the classic. Yes, they are, in, in sort of a filmic point yep. of view, they are the golden age they are trinity. The, they are the golden age film trilogy. Yeah. Or even though, like, I know she was on TV. But, yeah. like, she is just as important as Adam West Batman and Christopher Reeve Superman. And it is because of this series that we have not one, but two Wonder Woman live action movies. Yep. So I just wanted to say that really quickly. She held the torch for a long time, Linda Carter, and 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 probably until Susan Eisenberg. Yes. So yes. Uh, good. Ugh, past podcast guest Susan Eisenberg. Uh, good for her. Obsessed. And well done. And uh, I've met uh, Miss Carter once. Lovely. Oh, really? It's very, very lovely. Oh, good. She's yeah. so beautiful. She's just yeah. a great Instagram follow. She is truly a Wonder Woman. Yes. So far, I'm. I'm so. I. I. I so far, I will say that like. I th- it's one of those parts where, like, I hope you realize if you're playing Wonder Woman, like, what that means to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as I know, every person that's played Wonder Woman is truly a wonderful woman. It seems like it. Yeah. Following the goofy turn in the weirdness of Diana Prince, super spy, Robert Kaniger takes oh, up. Robert. We haven't gotten to the, the scary stuff yet. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, takes up writing duties on Wonder Woman once again. And let me tell you, he paid very close attention to the outcry. Um and the demand to return to a more serious Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So the first thing he does when he gets back on Wonder Woman is he introduces the, quote, evil black Wonder Woman named Nubia. Oh, this is quote, where Nubia pops up. Yes. I would like to state that Nubia does evolve into a very cool, very powerful character by a more aware creators nubia is super cool i would love to see her in a movie i think she should be used way more effectively and way more often in current dc mm-hmm. comics continuity i would love to do a ghl on her yep um i did not realize that she was uh evil i didn't realize she was evil either you know she should be in she should be in modern wonder woman storylines i absolutely agree and i also think and i think we've said this on most of our wonder woman uh centric episodes i really think that the uh, auxiliary Amazonians could be used more in the comics perspective. Like Sensation Comics should be the adventures of the Amazonians. And that's the closest thing I think you can get to a Wonder Woman uh, family because it doesn't make as much sense because Wonder Woman is not known to be married and have children and stuff like that. By the way, I knew that this was a real deal, uh, but action figure spotlight. Hold on. We have, music. We, have, we have music for this right now. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Not perfect. <laughs> Action figure spotlight. Uh, Mego, the sort oh, yes, of doll iconic. 70s toy company that a lot of people would call dolls, uh, they made a Nubia action figure that is tied into the Wonder Woman TV show. I'm showing a picture to Ashley right now. Oh, she's got a cool streak of white hair. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great Mego, actually. I remembered they made an action figure of her. And so, like, that's really cool. So, Nubia has action figures. Well, there you go. Please make a note so that I can be sure to share that in our action figure spotlight. Nubia and Diana go head-to-head for several issues. The covers are stunning. If anyone is familiar with the film poster for pa- Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, it's a lot like that. It's these two like tough ladies fighting each other on the covers. Uh, but rather than explore a feminist dynamic between these two characters or having them come to an understanding, we have a mass shooting. Mm-hmm. So Robert Kaniger introduces a sniper who's hunting down characters and who is the very first person that he, mur- that he murders? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's a woman's magazine editor. Like Gloria Steinem, who sort of launched this all in the first place. And I think that is so despicable and what? so deeply ugly. Okay, okay. So so I'm I'm just gonna rewind you a little bit just mm-hmm. to make this abundantly clear. Please say that all that again. Like what so, was the exact So 
He introduces Nubia. Yes. Nubia, Diana, fight, 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 fight. the first person that Nubia kills. So, no, 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 no. Oh. It's not Nubia. So instead, so they fight a couple times for a few issues. It's kind of interesting. And then instead of exploring a relationship between them, maybe bringing Nubia on as a partner or doing like, they could have done really cool things. Anything here. A great opportunity. Yeah. Instead, they introduce a sniper character who's going around killing people and they're, Diana's trying to hunt the sniper down. And the first person who the sniper murders is a woman's magazine editor. Misses a women's magazine. Gloria Steinem was the editor. The criticism from Miss Magazine is what launched this reboot. And like, it's... It's so ugly. It would be like a modern day. I'll, I'll make I'll make the safest analogy I can I can do. It would be like a modern day comics team doing a mass shooting and drawing you and I having been shot because we spoke critically about their work in the past or because we didn't like the character that they were writing. Yeah, or we criticized them on an episode. Yeah, of it, like yeah. it is. It's an ugly, ugly thing it's, to uh, have done. It's kind of gross. And it's and gross. this is the point where I'm like Robert Kaniger, like thank you. Thank you so much for Barry Allen. He has a lot of really important contributions to comics, but this is the thing where I'm like, this is why his name is not as lauded as some of his contemporaries from the Silver well, Age, right? Is, Dick Giordano. This is why. Dick Julia Schwartz. This yeah. is why. Because like, this is... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free and Anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Horrific. This is like troll behavior to the max. That's so crazy because. And I get not liking her. Like, that's fair. He it, doesn't have to like her. It's so funny because Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman all have these like weird dips and rises. Mm-hmm. And their, their dips and rises are almost all around the same time or very close. Yes. Like, and it's weird because Wonder Woman's dip is right now. And because at this exact same time, Batman and Superman stories were like getting really good. Yes. Yeah. And we're, we, we're not going to get that for like another five years with Wonder Woman. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So that like, it's probably the most despicable Wonder Woman story of all time here. Yes. And yeah, that happened. So oh boy, like I said at the beginning, the Super Age has never been super to my taste, um, but doing this lesson through the lens of time and from our contemporary sensibilities, this was weirder and more difficult for me than doing the Golden Age episode, which is from an older, more backward, that's not the right word, uh, piece of history than modern day like i thought this was upsetting it's just because the character was more pure yes maybe yep. that's it and maybe it's because yeah. it's a female character who i care a lot about um you can also argue that under robert Kaniger's rule of the wonder woman franchise <laughs> his, um, his reign <laughs> that he stunted her for several decades he was in charge of sensation and wonder woman because the titles kind of went back and forth for 20 years mm-hmm. before and this is what's going to make it all okay George Perez is on the horizon with a Wonder Woman reboot. She's going to be real badass again. We're going to go into the Bronze Age, and this is where we're going to end our- we got to get through the Bronze Age before we get to George Perez, but yes. Yeah, but he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's right there. You can actually argue that his Wonder Woman run starts in the Bronze Age, but kind of depends. But there is great stuff for Wonder Woman in the Bronze Age. Uh, She gets the best hair she's ever had, and that's where we're going to wrap up our, uh, our Silver Age lesson on Wonder Woman. Cool. Weird and upsetting. Putting the Silver Age to bed for Wonder Woman. There you go. Who's barely uh, able to survive the Silver Age. Yeah, who, I mean, Ooh. she made it out, but boy, Ooh. boy, that reputation. Oh, boy. 
Uh, and really quick, if you do want to hear more from Jason and I about the Silver Age and Wonder Woman in the Silver Age, uh, I highly recommend that you check out our Patreon. Yeah, go over to patreon.com slash Jawin. That's J-A-W-I-I-N. You can listen to the Patreon-exclusive podcast, Geek Hitters Listen Extra, where we're going to be talking about the best Wonder Woman Silver Age villains. Uh, Nubia may or may not be on the list. I can't promise anything. But if you go over there and support the podcast, you get that podcast. You get Jason and Ashley's Excellent Adventures, where J- Ashley and I go a little bit more personal about our lives. And then there's a Just League podcast coming very soon. So buckle up for that. Go over to support the pod, patreon.com slash Jawin. And we thank all our super friends who are already over there and being nice supporters. Yes. Yeah, it's the easiest way to support the podcast, Patreon. Alrighty, now we're going to talk about the recommended reading. Yes, the recommended reading, where if you are interested in more Wonder Woman Silver Age adventures and nonsense, then you can go over to geekcashlesson.com slash recommended reading. Ashley will have some picks for what you should mm-hmm. read over there. You click on the widget, takes you to Amazon, and the book comes right to your door. Wow, the Mind University uh, gets a small percentage of that purchase. So the thing that I always am going to recommend on these Wonder Woman episodes specifically is the secret history of Wonder Woman. Uh, it, yep. it deals a little, it's it's mostly stuff that happens before the Silver Age. It's but a nonfiction I, book, we made it clear. It is. Yep. Uh, Eisner nominated. Mm-hmm. Eisner winner. Um, and I think it is the best deconstructing from a modern perspective of who Wonder Woman is and where she stands in comic book history. It's really good. Uh, it also recommends a lot of great supplementary material if that is your jam. Cool. And then I'm also going to recommend Wonder Woman Diana Prince celebrating the 60s omnibus. For some reason, there is Wonder Woman the Golden Age omnibus and there's Wonder Woman the Bronze Age omnibus, but there's no Wonder Woman the Silver Age omnibus. So this is the collection uh, that I recommend that you go check out if you are looking for stories from this time. And then lastly, if you want a little bit of uh, Silver Age and some other stuff too, Wonder Woman, A Celebration of 75 Years. Uh, we've recommended a couple of these in the past. These are really They're wonderful. Great collections. They're great collections. Who, like shout out to the collections team and whoever's curating each of these individually. Um, they do a really, really good job at giving you a smattering of the best or most interesting or most surprising From all issues the ages. across the yep. history of these characters. This is when I do these lessons always where I go to start mm-hmm. uh, and the Wonder Woman collection is no different. They're also just well that. designed. The covers are always awesome. Awesome. Beautiful, yep. like the even the the inside, like the front cover yep. dress is always gorgeous. They're just nice, and they're to also have. full of a bunch of essays by various creators, like talking mm-hmm. about the various ages. They're they're great collections. They're great um, coffee table or bookshelf books as they well. Are. They make you look real smart. Yeah. And now we're gonna move into the teaching tweet, Jason's favorite part of the podcast. Ah, uh, yes, the teaching tweet is where Ashley is going to tell you. So she's gonna sum up. Wonder Woman, the Silver Age, and a little bit less than 140 characters, maybe 280, depending on how Twitter has changed its character spacing. We're not quite certain. That's why I'm not a huge fan of the section, but I agree to do it because you students want it. And uh, you can find this tweet on our social media at GHL Podcast on Twitter. Go follow us there if you're not. Ashley, Mm. here is your Wonder Woman Silver Age tweet. Wonder Woman, the Silver Age. Tried out a couple jobs, lost a couple friends, got a TV show, and is ready for her final form. That's my tweet about Wonder Woman Silver Age. Do you believe that Wonder Woman's final form comes in the Bronze Age? I believe that all of the pieces are put in place and at the end of the Bronze Age. And I, I say that because obviously I'm coming from the bias of who I think Wonder Woman is and sure. what I want to see and in Wonder Woman. And that changes for every person, yes. Uh, absolutely. And if you love Wonder Woman in the Silver Age... Please tell me why. No, I would just. I, um, I thought that was an interesting yes, statement. Is why I, I do to ask because me for me like I'm, I'm so psyched to do the Bronze Age. Hey, the only <laughs> the only judgment I'm giving on this podcast is to those three boys who wouldn't trade those comic books. How dare you? I'm yeah. Co- you're cruising for a bruising, and then uh, Robert Kaniger. Yeah. Uh, I have a fist sandwich for you, sir. I think he's dead. I still have a fist sandwich for him. Get punch his ghost. I'll fight his ghost. <laughs> bring it here, Robert. If you're the ghost of Robert Kaniger. You know where we live. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I took. I have some shaman powers ready. All right, Ashley, I think we're ready to move into the honor roll. We are. What's the honor roll, Jason? The honor roll where if you listeners are down with this podcast, and I mean down like the Silver Age down, then you go over to <laughs> Apple Podcasts, you open up your Mojo machine, which is your computer, and you type us a five-star review over there iTunes. Because if you do, we will send in your peace and love vibes, and we will shoot that out to the universe. And by doing that, we do that through the podcast. And as a thank you. Yes, we only have one person joining today because they have a long review. Oh, okay. It's very nice, but I don't want to rush through it. Uh, we had two long reviews in a row, so we're going to get 
two episodes where we only have one inductee. And this is by sweet Patreon baby Adam Grunther. Oh, Adam. Hey, who man. Who says, always an intriguing lesson. While I originally discovered Jason and Ashley through the Jawin YouTube channel, I have to say I think the Geek History Lesson podcast is even better. Thank I, you. I agree. There is always so much interesting information regarding the characters, films, and television shows they are talking about. The humor throughout the podcast is always entertaining and never fails to make me laugh, like Jason's impression of an inebriated Hal Jordan <laughs> or his comparison of Sokka from Avatar to Frank Burns from MASH. I will never forgive you for that. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Whether it's on the history of a comic book character or a retrospective on a movie or television show, it is definitely worth checking out the Geek History Lesson podcast whenever they come out with a new episode. Geek History Lesson is one of the best podcasts that I have listened to, and I absolutely look forward to listening to more of it in the future. Adam, I think we're going to hire you as press secretary. Adam Grunther, that was great. That was really, really excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, because of that five-star review, you get welcomed into the Geek History Lesson, the Mayan University Teacher's Lounge. Over in the corner is a sculpture of a microphone. <laughs> Created by Professor Carey. Oh. Yes. And uh, Adam, as a patron, knows the extra specialist to that joke. You may touch the microphone, but do not have it spayed or neutered. Okay. Yep. Great. Somebody tried to do that. A student tried to do that. It has been chaos. Tried to spay and or neuter the microphone? All right. Thank you so much (laughs) for listening to the podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and download and also click follow on all the places you listen to this podcast that's could be spotify that could be soundcloud all your apps because you never want to miss an episode and by the way if you loved this episode about wonder woman and you know somebody out there who is a big fan of wonder woman then tell them about this episode share it to them give it to them a tweet or an email or um you know trade three wonder woman comics for this podcast however you want to do that It'll really make a big difference. And Ashley, if they want to suggest this lesson, like other lessons, where can they do that? If you want to be as amazing as the TAs on this episode, Shadows of Ash, Still Brave Love, Jean S. Sam Martinez, I'm sorry I made fun of your username earlier, A-S-D-F-G-H-J-K-L-P-Q-W-E-R, Alexis N. Bowen, or Tree Branchy, you can do that at geekhistorylesson.com, facebook.com slash geekhistorylesson, or on Twitter at GHL podcast. That's right. And don't forget to follow Ashley on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V Robinson. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jawin. That's J A W I I N. I'll have lots of updates about the Kickstarter super best friend. Come on over there. And then don't forget the Patreon, patreon.com slash Jawin. If you listen to a just league podcast or hear about Wonder Woman, silver age villains, that makes a big difference. The last section of the podcast hashtag stick around. We need a hashtag stick around theme. I think that needs to happen. Okay. I don't know. I'm open to the listeners. Listeners suggest that. Um, Whoever sends us a piece of music first or what you wrote or what the sound effect should be, Mm -hmm. you know, shorter, the better. Uh, Send us audio of you just screaming, stick around. (laughs) uh, uh, Maybe it depends on the audio quality. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, we do this part, a a little bit of the discussion at the very end. Mainly, mainly the reason I don't know if we've revealed this before. We mainly do this just to be like when people, you know, dip out like about a, you know, two or three minutes ago. Mm hmm. And then they see that the podcast goes for another 10 mm-hmm. minutes just to be like, why, why, why is it still going? Mm-hmm. Did they, did they leave dead space on in the air? Did they, did they do something wrong? Are they bad podcast editors? No, it's because we wanted to give you more. Ashley, what's our hashtag stick around? So for me, the most iconic thing about Wonder Woman in the Silver Age is the white and the purple jumpsuit, the super spy Diana. Uh-huh. It's not a bad design. It's not, it's. The the covers and the art in those books are not my issues with them. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. It's the only reason to read them, because they're beautiful. Should any part of Super Spy Diana be seen in the Wonder Woman movie series? To be honest with you, I thought we were going to see a bunch of it in Wonder Woman 1984, because mm-hmm. when they first announced that title, I thought they were going to riff off of that, mm-hmm. because... This is the age right before that, yeah. Well, because these books were published in the 70s. It's the height of the Cold War. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I thought that's where we were going with it. Um, I think so, but I think we've gotten the most we're going to get. Like, I think Diana Mm -hmm. Prince is the most we're going to get with that. I would love, even if she doesn't do any super spy or any kung fu or anything, I would love just to see her in the white jumpsuit. And just to know that it was an intentional homage. That's all I need. They sort of did a riff on that in... um, after 
Infinite Crisis, Jeff John's yes. Infinite Crisis event, mm-hmm. where they jumped one mm-hmm. year later because it's the idea. And she did become a super spy yes, she again. Did. And they renamed, and it was in that continuity, she didn't have the alter ego. Mm-hmm. So Batman gives her the identity of Diana Prince. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Smallville season 11 also have Super Spy Wonder Woman or Wonder Woman in? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Steve Trevor, Steve Trevor and her work for the DEO. Uh, it also continent. has adorable like baby Wonder Woman in it. Like Wonder Woman's a little girl in a flashback in that. And it's really cute. Yeah. Because uh, yes. And that it's drawn by Batman or his superstar Jorge Jimenez. Yes, it is. It was some of his first DC work and it's like the yes, flashback close of how personal friend of she Jason meets, uh, no, she meets <laughs> uh, Steve Trevor. And he's a he's like a little boy, right? He's a little boy yeah. and she's like, you are my secret boy. That's right. It's a very cute scene. It is very cute. I, I have said it several times, Smallville season 11, um, they're digital DC comics. You can, they're, Brian Q. Miller? Brian Q. Miller, who also worked on Smallville, wrote them all. They're really, really good. Look, I don't even like Smallville, and those comics are great. For a long time, they were like the best Superman comics being published by DC. Supergirl has a great costume in it. Batgirl has a cool introduction. Batman has a cool origin in yeah. it. Barbara Gordon is his Robin. Yes, they really they really do. Yeah. It's a cool Elseworlds story. It's a really neat Elseworlds story, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we... I think we answered that question. By the way, I know all of our li- all of our listeners that love Smallville just went crazy hearing you talk about that, Ashley. That you brought it up. I did. Yep. <laughs> they were like, hashtag Ashley Smallville, yes. Uh, every once in a while, we'll get a hashtag GHL Smallville, yes. I'll tell you this. Um, I would be down for a Smallville Season 11 book club episode. I just don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'd rather do that than watch Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> I just to me uh, to me talk about creating a niche for a niche. That's what that is. Yeah, I just think those books <laughs> are really I, good, and I love those books. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but still, talk about dividing our audience even more. Yeah. But, uh, there you go. Thank you so much for listening <laughs> to this episode of Geek History Lesson. I am Jason Maud Inman. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. And Professor Ashley, will you please <sighs> dismiss this silver agey episode of Wonder Woman? Class is now dismissed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.